Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You may wish to adjust the dial. You're currently tuned into the wrong station. Hard snow falling heavy among the shrouded pines on every side. The only sounds the thickness of falling snow. The echo of footfalls inside her own bones. The pounding of blood and breath inside her own head. No idea how long she'd been running. Or from where or to where. Just that she had to go on to reach the end. Safety. Before it all became too cold and dark. Actually, a kind of relief to be found in that lack of memory. If you don't know how long you'd been running, it was almost like you'd just begun. Almost like you were fresh. Almost. The sky, dull and gray and low by now, backlit by some fading, distant sun. From this bluish pall of sky, the heavy, clumping flakes of falling snow came dark. Then, against the darkness of pine boughs and bare trunks, they suddenly flashed into white life before losing themselves among the hundred trillion corpses of their own. With no sun, she couldn't tell how much daylight she had left, couldn't lift four fingers to the sky to count out fifteen-minute increments. She could only run. Tiger, wind, snow, wind, tiger. Steady feet and steady pulse and breath, she felt a little tired and her head pounded quite badly, but she was still good to run, still good to go. Glanced at the softly glowing chronograph at her wrist, and it was working, but her brain wasn't and she couldn't make out any numbers. She blinked, shook her pounding head, and looked again. Same result. All right, all right, that was a bad sign. She raised one hand to her head and felt the tacky crust of blood above one eye only now beginning to harden, the shocking tenderness of her skull to the touch, the flesh just now beginning to swell. All right. All right, that was a bad sign, too. She could not remember the injury. When her mind ran back along the snowy track of memory, it became lost in dark pines and slowly mounting drifts. 
The moment of shock and pain was back there like distant sodium light in the snow, but there was no way through the trees to reach it. A very bad sign. It was the kind of thing that might make her panic if she allowed herself, but there'd be no utility in that. A discipline had been instilled in her once upon a time. You keep running, no matter what. And now there was nothing for it but to keep running. The pale shadows of snowy boughs were trending blue. She hoped she would arrive where she was going, soon, before the dark. She crested a hill, only more rolling taiga below her. But the next ridge might hide her destination, and she knew her own pace well enough to know she'd reach that ridge in less than thirty minutes. Despite the snow, the footing underneath was hard and firm. Some kind of buried road or path, perhaps. That was good, because roads and paths led somewhere. But then again, maybe it was just a frozen river. No, no, don't think like that. Don't think like that. Just keep running. Nothing for it but to keep running. She tried to keep focused on the act of running, but her thoughts just kept coming back to the question of what she was doing here. She cast about in the snowdrifts of her mind and came up with the word race. I'm in a race? If she was in a race, she would have things with her. Surely. She dropped one hand to her hip and found the hard plastic of a handle that felt similar to her grip. Some kind of pistol? A flare gun? Surely, though the letters on its orange barrel swam in front of her vision in the fading light. Yes, a flare gun. She was wearing a thigh belt as well, with four flares tucked through elastic loops. Two empty loops on the belt, one flare in the chamber of the gun, which meant she'd fired one already. She did not remember when. Didn't remember loading a second one either, or making the questionable decision to run with a loaded flare gun at her hip. Worse than questionable, outright dangerous. And yet, some instinct kept her from unloading the flare. Maybe she'd had a good reason to keep the weapon loaded. Weapon? No, a flare gun isn't a weapon. Maybe there was a landmark she wasn't supposed to miss. Some narrow window where a rescue hub would pass across the sky. Some opportunity too brief to risk reloading the orange gun with freezing hands. So she ran on. Not stopping, not slowing. Down along this wide and winding track in the ankle-deep snow, while more snow and more drifted down, and the distance faded out to white and the temperature slowly dropped, and the light slowly dimmed. What else? What else? She must have something else on her body that could be of use. At the hip opposite her flare gun she found a pouch, and inside it the familiar crinkle of impact rations and hydration gel wrappers, a dry rattle of analgesic pills in their plastic bottle. Thank God. Thank God. The relief of not just finding these things, but being able to remember what they were. Her head was killing her. Why? Had something hit her? She raised one hand and found heavy swelling, a gem of hard-scabbed blood above one eye. Shit. Shit, that was a bad sign. But there wasn't much point in thinking about it right now. She just had to keep running. She popped two pills and washed them down with a gel pack. Considered taking four pills, but wasn't sure how many she'd taken already. She tucked the torn gel wrapper into a trash pouch at the small of her back. It was half full already. That was a bad sign too, because it meant she hadn't just begun. 
It meant she'd already been running for a long, long time. This time, she managed to keep her thoughts from spinning out of control, focused on nothing but the path ahead. And soon, the fear and worry faded into the snow behind her. She ran free. Turning aside from her smooth trail, she began to climb through thick snow to the top of that ridge she'd noticed ahead of her before. Was it the same one? Yes. Yes, it had to be. But when she reached the summit, there was no destination waiting for her on the other side. Only more long distances, taiga pines, and that wide, flat trail winding through the distance. A suggestion of tall hills at the edge of sight. But that vista was shrouded by the veil of snow slowly wrapping the world around her. She barely stopped to take in this view, only caught it on the run as she bounded down the far side of the ridge, that instinct drilled into her in some forgotten place and time. Keep running. Break momentum and you won't get it back. Slow down and the chill creeps in. The chill. God, she was so cold. Her toes already ice blocks in her shoes, slowly losing all sensation. All right. Run faster then, to speed the pumping of her blood and she opened up as she reached the shallow snow of that flat, meandering stretch again, the trees blurring faintly with her speed or weariness as they grew thick on either side. And something. She thought she saw something. Bounding through their shadows parallel. Something big. And though she knew what she was seeing must be some trick of the mind, she tapped into not-so-bottomless reserves of strength to lengthen her stride even further. Whatever moved behind the darkness of the pines kept pace. A four-legged form loping and slithering through variegated black and whiteness. Four legs. Six legs. No, four. But that meant it would be faster than her over short distances. Still, whatever it was, she could probably outrun it, if she could just keep her pace and distance. Not many predators that size had stamina to speak of. Even canines could be run to exhaustion by a good human runner, especially in the tiring snow. And she was a good runner. Even with the rest of her identity winnowed away, she knew this about herself. Even with the world itself narrowed to just the ground ahead of her, it was her purest self, her truest expression. She was that which ran. Yet, still, that creature in the darkness of the woods kept its pace. From the way it bounded, seeming almost to swim through the snow, she could tell that this was its natural environment. Even now that it had emerged from the edge of the trees, she couldn't fully see what it looked like. The snow too thick, only a bounding grayness, sometimes cat-like, sometimes bear-like, sometimes almost snake-like as it followed alongside. She dipped deeper into rationed reserves and lengthened her stride a third time. For a minute, the distance between them widened, but then the creature also put on a burst of speed, churning snow along the riverbank, or the edge of road, not fifty feet away. That burst of blurry speed carried it past her, forward into the blinding static. It was almost fully dark on the taiga by now, Almost a full whiteout, too. The creature, whatever it had been, was gone in the snow ahead. So she veered toward the opposite bank. If it was a frozen river she ran along after all, she decided it must be. Yes, why else hadn't the creature attacked? 
Maybe because this was ice beneath her feet. Maybe it was strong enough for her, 120 pounds, but not for the 300-some-odd kilos of who knows what. It was now full dark. Full dark. With the snow so blinding white that the surface of the world glowed dim with whatever feeble radiance bounced over the dark horizon. Near the injury on her forehead, her probing fingers discovered an earpiece. When she tapped it once, a hissing, static noise crackled in her ear. When she tapped it twice, an LED high beam blazed into life. Something had come loose in the earpiece's housing, made by the impact of whatever had caused her head injury. The light had a tendency to flicker. She tapped the earpiece again to try and stabilize her light. It went out. She tried again. Again. And just as she was beginning to panic, the white beams blazed once more, cleaving the snowy dark. Not a moment too soon, for there was a tumble of fallen boulders jutting out into the frozen river, and as the light flared back into life, it revealed the creature crouched atop those stones and ready to spring. Cat-like, immense and gray-striped, not with four limbs, but six, and a wide shovel-like head with black eyes of fire with yellow eyeshine, the teeth like white needles, like fish's teeth, the thick fur blowing in the wind, except where a burned and blackened patch wept on one side of its chest. She shouted and slipped in the snow, scrambling as the creature bunched itself to leap. Then she was bounced and running again as the creature crashed down behind her, and the ice cracked, and a low thunder ripped out beneath her feet, and she put on a burst of speed like she'd never known she had as the ground beneath her split, and she was scrambling on all fours as a great plate of ice foundered in the black water erupting around her, and then she was back on steady footing, sprinting and sprinting, not daring to look back, even if she'd been able to see anything in the darkness and swirling snow. She strained her ears over the sound of her own pounding heart, trying to catch any sound of heavy paws pounding behind her. But she heard nothing, and after a few moments she had to slow down, or else collapse onto the ice to catch her breath. It was hard to slow her heart and pace and breath, but she did the best she could, and after several minutes passed, the adrenaline began to drain away, leaving her depleted, tired. But she didn't allow her pace to slow too much. Keep running. Don't think. Keep running. Now the night was growing colder. Even through her thermal suit, the petroleum jelly, and clean burning heat of impact rations, she was getting cold. After the spike of adrenaline, she couldn't feel her toes anymore. Her fingers would be next. But whatever discipline had brought her here kept her on program. After a while, the adrenaline crash passed, and she was back into a rhythm of pulse and breath and steady thudding feet. Pace she felt her body could keep up until it died of dehydration, if need be. So on she ran, and she was sure by now she'd left the creature far behind and drowned beneath the ice. Shortly afterward, she forgot about its existence altogether. Then, as the clouds parted and a bright half-moon showed through, the white road widened out around her, and the black trees receded to the edges of her world. She ran through an empyrean realm of endless white, and the path around her was like a white highway leading home. She turned off her headlamp, 
and for what felt like a hundred years she ran like this, forgetting everything but the bliss of running and the oneness with the world and the light of successive moons blossoming across the turning sky. Then the clouds drew back in, and the chain of little moons went out. She had to flick her headlamp on again, and a few minutes after that, the road ran out. She slowed. Then, for the first time in much longer than she could remember, stopped, stared at the snowy bank of tumbled stone ahead, at the rising wall of dark, snow-cowled pines. Her river had become a lake, and now her lake had come to its end. That can't be right. Maybe she'd gotten turned around. Maybe she'd been running upstream this whole while when she'd been supposed to be running downstream. Maybe she wasn't supposed to be on the river at all. Maybe she'd been following some road or trail and gone astray as it crossed the water's path. Maybe she couldn't remember. She wished she could remember. She checked her ration belt. Almost empty now, the pills all running low, the flares, one in the chamber of the pistol, three in the elastic loops of her thigh belt. She couldn't remember having fired any, couldn't remember loading one in the chamber either. It was a bad idea, surely, to run with a loaded flare gun at your hip. The woods rising up ahead. Something in them frightened her, but she couldn't remember what. Five seconds now, or six that she'd been standing there. Too long. She could feel the cold snout of exhaustion sniffling at her heel and behind her ears, the chill already creeping in. There was only one way to get them off of her. Outrun them. Nothing else for it. So she drew a fierce breath and plunged ahead, vaulting up the frozen rocky steps of the bank and then plunging through the trees, for some reason her body understood, but her clouded mind not. The pistol flare was clutched white-knuckled in her hand, the breath already ragged in her chest as she plunged through thickets and then opened bands of snow, through thickets and over bands of rock, then back beneath the sometimes shining, sometimes hidden moons. Through tiger wind and snow and wind and tiger, she ran and climbed and fought the tiring cold. Now something was running alongside her, half-hidden in the snow, something bounding, bear-like, cat-like, snake-like. Now the snow was deep, thigh-deep, and she was less running than wading through it as the creature followed at the edges of her sight. Fear built swiftly in her, her pounding heart and pounding head in disunited rhythm as she climbed. The woods rose and rose, and the creature followed with her, sometimes led her, bounding up and up the rocks and vanishing, appearing, vanishing again until she came to a wooded circle at the summit with tumbled boulders and a soaring vista all around of dark taiga bleached in frozen waves and the five moons sinking up above and a white stripe of clear snow slashing wide across the landscape down below. A deep rumble behind her, a growl rising to make ice crystals tremble from the boughs. She whipped round, the orange pistol flare in hand, and leveled it. She stopped moving. For too long, but she was trembling too much to aim without total stillness. And she was sure that this time, if she ran, the creature would not hesitate to bring her down by the ankles or the spine. 
And so, the energy, the heat pouring out of her, the weary cold seeping in, she stood with flare gun leveled at the trees. And from the darkness it emerged, its black eyes unthinking in the moonlight, its wide, uncanny smile bearded with icicles, its thick fur pleated with ice, except where chunks of burned flesh had been blown away on its chest and shoulder and above one eye. Come on, then. Her voice ragged with exhaustion, rusty from lack of use. How long since she'd spoken last? She barely even recognized the sound in her own head. We've run the race this far. Let's see you try to finish it. The snow runner gathered itself and leapt. She clenched her fist around the grip and trigger. A streak of red erupted into the night, and the impact came with a thud and a tormented yowl, and then the creature's momentum carried it into her, and she was knocked airborne, and then she hit the ground hard and rolled over heavy boulders, and her head almost split open, and she thought she was screaming, and then she was sliding down a snowy slope like a child at Christmas, and somehow a flare was in her hand, and the pistol's orange breech was open, and she was ramming the flare home and snapping the barrel shut as she forced herself to her feet, and the creature was writhing in the snow behind her, with a burning star lodged crimson in its already ruined fur, and she raised the gun and fired again, and a neon comet struck the snow runner in its flank, and the creature screamed and scrambled backward through the trees. She let out a breath. A white cloud of crystal on the night, her earpiece gone, only reflected moon and snow to see by now. Hard snow, falling heavy down among the shrouded pines on every side, the only sounds the thicknesses of falling snow, the echo of resounding blood and breath inside her head, the cold all seeping in. She needed to get moving, she knew that much. Where? She looked around all sides, the spreading vista of the taiga she had never seen before. And there, there in the distance, thank God, what looked like a white road meandering wide through the dark and snowy pines. That had to be her route. It had to be. A shame she should have wandered off, so far off course. And so she racked a new flare into the orange pistol and holstered it, began to run until the weariness wore off and she was back into her rhythm and the sound of steady footfalls echoed through her bones. She noticed, with a surge of hope, the half-filled footsteps leading down toward the road. Somebody had been this way before, not long ago. She was on the right track. She came down through woods and out onto a white, wide-open avenue, a highway that spread until the trees had all but vanished on either side. Empyrean realm of endless blowing white, and her heart lifted as she tracked the fading footsteps of the one who'd gone before. A trail of slowly freezing blood had reached her neck by now. One flare in the pistol's chamber, and only one flare on the belt upon her thigh. And in her hip pouch, all supplies were running low. The Wrong Station is made possible with the generous support of our listeners on Patreon. 
visit today at patreon.com slash the wrong station. This week's episode, Snow Runner, was written by Alexander Saxton and performed by Anthony Botello. Thank you to Colorado Tau, Outlast Chance, Morikoto, Greg Schrader, Daniel Williams, Aurelian Ember Gardner, Brian Christopher, Peter Armstrong, Eduard Morizette, Kurt Hooper, Christopher Nakarato, Adrienne Ainsworth, Sophia Silviera, Rachel Favors, and Ransack0894 for helping us keep the lights, well, off. The Wrong Station is co-produced by Alexander Saxton, Anthony Botello, and Jacob Duarte Spiel, with music composed and performed by Alain Citrum, and arranged for the viola and performed by Viola Schmidt. You can follow The Wrong Station on social media, at The Wrong Station, and email us at thewrongstation at gmail.com. And until next time, thank you for listening.